Uh, last week, I made mention um, that we are going to be focusing on equipping ourselves for a supernatural uh, Christian life. Uh, God did not intend us to simply uh, be Christians in our head. Being a Christian does not uh, involve simply uh, believing in Him the end. But He has designed for us uh, a supernatural life. He has given us His authority. There is so much. And as I was beginning to think about, so okay, how do we lay the foundation for this? By the way, next week we're going to be having Mike Benson come in. And we know we're going to be covering the supernatural then. And so I'm thinking to myself, all right, how are we going to lay a foundation? Um, and one of the things I realized is many of us here, other Christians say, God told me, I heard God say, I felt led. How many of you ever heard any of those terms? All right. I want to go in. Sometimes uh, we hear that and we're like, oh, that's great. But a lot of Christians don't know what's that like. Or, or they just hope for that on a blue moon. It's like, okay, well, maybe once or twice in my lifetime, God's going to... But let's look at what Scripture says. Let's see how we can be led by God um, and, and know His will for our life. And obviously, there is the simple, natural aspect of when we see it in God's Word, that is God's will for my life. If I get really upset with my neighbor and I'm tempted to go over there with a baseball bat and do damage, the Bible says, thou shalt not murder. I really don't need to wait and hear from God. Should I go? No. He's already spoken clearly to that. But there are so many other areas in our life where we really want to have God's leading. Should I accept this job offer or should I not? What should I do in this situation? What's the right choice? And, and God wants to be speaking to us. I, I remember one of my, my instructors in Bible school saying, you know, when I want to wake up in the morning, I just ask the Holy Spirit wake me up at that time. I'm like, where's that in the Scripture? It's not there specifically. But we can get to a point where we hear from God and we are so in tune with our spirit and the Holy Spirit that those types of things are not ridiculous. When, when you lose something, what do you pray? You know what I pray? I say, Lord, help me find that. But I say, Lord, guide me. When I drop something, and I don't, I don't know if I dropped it in here and it's out in the field. You know, Lord, just lead me to that place. I cannot tell you how many times I have prayed, God, lead me. And then followed, not an audible voice, but the leading of the Holy Spirit. And ended up right where my keys, phone, forgotten item is. But before we get to that, I want to get in, and I want to start by just starting at the beginning, which is that you and I are a spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 27, it says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The Bible says that the spirit of man and when it says man, it's referring to women as well. So the spirit of you is the lamp of the Lord. What does that mean? That means when God desires to enlighten you, He will do so through your spirit. When He desires to direct your path, He will do so through your spirit. You and I are accustomed to seeking guidance through our senses, Red light, green light, yellow light. We're accustomed to the stop sign, turn signals. How many of you get frustrated when the car in front of you doesn't use this turn signal? We want leading 
through our, what we can see and what we can touch and what we can taste. But the Bible says that God leads us through our spirit. And that seems, that's, that's foreign to us. We have, we have literally trained ourselves to ignore anything that is not with the five senses. It is interesting. It was always interesting to me, and I, maybe none of you had this question, but I remember asking this question. I was like, okay, so before scientists had done trial and error and figured out which plants were poisonous and which plants were medicinal, how did, how did the Native Americans know? Interestingly enough, if you read their own writings, listen to their own teachings, what they would say is that they would ask of the human spirit. They would spiritually discern that's poisonous. That's beneficial. If you, if it, and most of us are like, oh, wait a minute, is he getting into some really wacky stuff? Let me just say this. We as human beings were designed by God to function more than just on a physical plane. That's right. We were designed. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the Native Americans or any other ancient group had everything right, but I will say this. They did have a more, they were more accustomed to listening to the spiritual realm than you and I tend to be as members of Western society. We have taught ourselves to ignore our conscience, that inner voice. So let's, let's get into what the Scripture says. We are a spirit. He teaches us through our spirit. Um, we're a spirit being. We have a soul, and we live in a body. Say that with me. Say, I am a spirit being. I have a soul, and I live in a body. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 and 25 says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, I recognize that the spiritual world would be an upgrade, but I want to be here. 1 Peter 3, 3 says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on a fine period. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart, with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is the precious in the sight of God. We have the outward house, but then we have that hidden person of the heart, the real us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, many of you have been here when someone in this very room has chosen to give their life to Christ and has become brand new. Did they walk out of here without need for a corona haircut? Did, did they totally, did their body change? No, of course it didn't. They're still in the same body, but their spirit man was renewed. I have a whole section in my notes that I could preach our entire message on tonight that talks about the renewing of our mind because we have, we have a body. When we're saved, pretty much it's untouched. We have a spirit, when we're saved, it is completely renewed. And then the Bible talks to us about the process of renewing our mind. And sometimes, because I can't see my mind and I can't see my spirit, we kind of, we kind of think just two things, seen and unseen, body, everything else. But the Bible is very clear that there is a difference between the soul, and the body. It says that we are spirit, soul, and body, and that it says that His Word can divide to the separating of the soul and body. 
I'm reading here, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he could have said it in a whole bunch of different ways. Soul, body, spirit, body, soul, spirits. But he said spirit, soul, and body. He acknowledged first the real you, the permanent you, your spirit. That's what gets renewed when we're saved. Then our soul, which also endures. And then our body, which won't. And the more conscious we become of our spirit, the more real the leading of the Holy Spirit will be. Why? Because he is leading us through the spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Paul acknowledges that there's what we see, and then there's the soul and spirit, and that it takes special discernment to see that difference. But the word of God slices all the way to the, the, to the differentiation between the two parts of us that are unseen. Paul, I'm going to read a couple more verses, says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he says, For if I pray in, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice he's referring to the two parts of him he can't see. He says, my spirit, when I speak in tongues, prays, but my soul, my mind, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will you be he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? So, for indeed, give thanks well but the other is not edified. What he's saying, he says, don't go in one ditch or the other. He says, I acknowledge that I am a spirit, but I don't only focus on my spirit. I acknowledge that I have an understanding and a soul. I pray with my understanding. I pray in the spirit. I worship with my understanding. I worship in the spirit. Our understanding is part of our soul. 1 John 7, or not just not 1 John, just John. John 7, 37 says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not glorified. When God talked about the rivers of living water that would come. And when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well and said she would never thirst again, he wasn't talking about her physical body. He was talking about her spirit. 1 Corinthians, in the Amplified Version, chapter 14, says this, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and my understanding also. I say most of that because I want us to begin to look at ourselves as the three parts that we are. If we desire to operate according to God's leading, we need to begin to pay attention to the parts of us that are unseen with our five senses. The Bible says that He teaches us, that He leads us with our inner man. Sometimes people call that their conscience. Other people call it an inward witness or an inner guidance. Some people will say intuition, but I am, I am cautious in using that word because I believe many of us, what we refer to as intuition, 
is really expectation based on past experience. And there is a difference between God's leading and just, well, I've been in a similar situation to this before, so I expect this to happen that way again. And that is oftentimes confused, our intuition. Well, I, I know how this is going to turn out. Why? Well, because I've, I've been in a similar relationship before, and I just know how it's going to turn out. It's going to turn out like it did the last time. That's not necessarily the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That is your understanding doing what it was designed to do. You know what? I walked by a stove. I burnt myself. The next time I go by a stove, I expect it might be hot. So I'm not going to use the word intuition, but sometimes I would admit people would apply that term. When you see something and you know God has spoken to all of us, Here's what I want to say. God has spoken to you. Now, we raised our hand at the beginning, and I didn't ask you to raise your hand for this question before because I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed. So don't raise your hand, but just think about this. Most every hand went up when I asked, have you ever heard someone say, God said, God led? But then how many of you acknowledge and remember a time when God said, or God led you, you particularly. And that's interesting. I don't want you to raise your hands. I would venture that it'll be less than before, but that some people are going to raise their hand thinking about that one time, and other people are going to raise their hand thinking about this morning five or six times. Not everyone is accustomed to listening for the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we can be. Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you are a Christian, God told your spirit, you're in and I love you. The Bible tells us that the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He doesn't come and say something audibly to your, your head, but He speaks to your spirit. Why does He speak to your spirit? Because that's where He is. 1 John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? I can't think of it right now, but I remember there was, a, there was a little song when I was a little kid that talked about being the temple of the Holy Ghost. We, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He abides in us. And so, He speaks to us. Verse uh, chapter well, 2 Corinthians 6, 15 through 16 says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. A lot of us, we look to be guided first by our sight and our touch, and then by our emotions, our feelings. But feelings, emotions, are still the body and the soul. Feeling is the voice of the body. Reason is the voice of the soul of the mind. And we said conscience is the voice of the spirit. Someone might say, I feel like God heard my prayer, which is good. I'm glad you feel like he heard your prayer. But here's the thing. 
What if you don't feel like it? Does that mean he didn't? No. We have to learn to base our faith on the Word of God and what He has said to us since the Word of God is written by God. And if He says that He will hear us when we pray, then whether we felt goosebumps or didn't, we know He heard us. John 16, 13 says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you you. This verse talks about how God desires to take what He knows and impart that to us. John chapter 14, 26. This is, this is an important one. I want you to listen carefully. But the Helper, and for clarity it says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. How many of you have ever forgotten something? And then you are trying to remember it. And then I want you to think about the moment when you can't remember something and then you remember it. Like, that is a good moment. But is there a, a laudable voice? The Bible literally describes the Holy Spirit speaking to us like remembering something you forgot. He says, I will bring things to your remembrance. It's like I didn't know it and now I know it, but I didn't hear it. I just got it. Are you this is what Scripture defines, says, hey, this is what it's going to be like. The Holy Spirit is going to bring. That's why I say some people would use the word intuition. It's like, I, I know it. How do I know it? I just know it. It's that inward knowing the Bible says in Romans 8, 14 through 15, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How many of you are a son or daughter of God? That means God wants to lead you. God wants to lead you by His Spirit. Too many times, when God is trying to bear witness with our spirits, trying to guide us, we don't listen because we want something really dramatic like a vision or an angel. And we're like waiting for this apparition. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say for as many as are led by angels, these are the sons of God. Has he ever led by angels? Yes, he has. Has he ever led through visions? Yes, he has. But he does not promise that as a standard issue to all believers. He does promise his leading as standard issue to every one of us. I'm going to take a minute, because I do have time, to, to bring up fleeces. How many of you know, do not know what I mean when I say a fleece? A fleece, in, in the Old Testament, there's the story of Gideon. Gideon was an Israelite 
who God was about to use, and God came to him and spoke to him, and he says, well, I want you to prove to me that you really are God. And he said, well, how would I do that? And he says, well, I'm going to put a fleece out. And if the ground is wet, and the fleece is like, um, it's the fuzzy fur from the, the sheep. So he puts it out. He says, if the ground is wet and the super absorbent fleece is dry, that would be a supernatural miracle, and I'll know it's you. And so God does it. And the next morning he's like, okay, well, now I just need to make sure that I make sure that that's just not what happened because I'm not used to really paying attention to fleeces in the morning. Now, if you'll make the fleece wet tomorrow morning and the ground dry, then I'll really know that it's you. And God does it. And so some of us look at this Old Testament example and we're like, okay, God, if that's really you and if I'm supposed to witness to my neighbor, well, then wake them come out with mismatched socks today. Or whatever it is. You know, send me some kind of sign. If, if, if I'm supposed to do this, you know, then make a rainbow show up and, and, you know, someone gallop by my window on a horse. Just whatever it is, people are putting out these fleeces. Like, God, make this happen. What's interesting is, although that did happen in the New Testament, there is nowhere in Scripture that it says, oh, and God will lead us through fleeces. Why? Why would God change the way that he speaks to us from the Old Testament to the New? What changed from the Old Testament to the New? The Bible, we just read the verses that explain this. He sent his Spirit to live in us in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he used priests. When the people wanted to speak to God, they went to the priest, and the priest spoke to God, and then God spoke to the priest, and the priest spoke to them. But what does the Bible say about us today? The Bible says that you and I are priests. He put his spirit in us, and now he speaks to you. He calls us priests. So, if I am sitting in the room with you, and I want to say something, why would I put it in an envelope, send it with a mail, mailman out there into the world where the Satan has influence and then have him bring that back around so that you would open it and find out, well, the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, I guess. No. See, Jesus died on the cross, took back that authority from the devil. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says that he now lives in us. Why would he go backwards to that old inferior system where Satan is going to try to keep them from putting on the mismatched socks so that you get the message? Because there is, there is no divider between your spirit and his spirit because the Bible says his spirit is now with you. So, of course, that is going to be his preferred method of communication because it's a direct line. We're over here waiting for snail mail and we've already got the direct line. He's like, uh, no, I didn't send a letter. I'm, I'm right here. I'm talking to you. Second Corinthians 2, verse 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. When it talks about the God of this age, it's talking about Satan. Talking about he has influence in this realm, but he does not in your heart, in your spirit man. Why? Because your spirit man has been renewed. Sometimes people don't want to take responsibility themselves to find out what God's will is. It's easier to say, you know, if you open the door, then it's your will. If you don't, it isn't. But Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts 
in your hearts. I've used this example before, but um, I remember when I was younger and one of my brothers, I will not say which one, so then you'll end up asking them in person and it's just kind of fun that way. Um, But one of my brothers comes to me and he says, you know, so he was dating a girl and he's like, how do I know? How do I know if this is the right one? And I said, well, the Bible says that the peace of God, that we should be ruled by his peace. I said, when do you, do you feel the peace of God? Do you feel peace about being with that person, committing your life to that person? Do, when you pray about that, when, and, I, and I said this. He's like, well, you know, I mean, I kind of want to. And I said, well, when do you want to? Do you want to when you're in prayer? Do you feel that peace when you're in prayer? Or when she shows up in a short skirt? That's exactly what I told him. And he goes, oh, I get it. I get it. He needs to be led by God's peace. There are other feelings that will try to lead us. But the Bible says, God says in his word, my sheep know my voice. I would say, though, not all of us have practiced listening to his voice. I'm going to read that verse in the Amplified Translation. It says, And let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's body, one body, you were also called to live. Be and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. I'm going to go back and read that a little slower because there's a lot there. Let the peace, harmony, soul harmony, which comes from Christ. Where does that peace come? It comes from Christ. Act as umpire. What does an umpire do? He tells you yes and no. In your hearts, deciding and settling with finality. According according to the Scripture, His peace can settle things for us with finality. We can get up and say, that's the right move, that's the wrong move. I'm going to go forward with all questions that arise in your minds. Which questions? All questions in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's body, one body, you were also called to live. Where does it say we were called to live? in a peaceful state as members of Christ's body. Have you ever been in a situation and it looked bad, but you knew how it was going to turn out so you were okay? When you know you're in the right place, I recently saw a video of a rally car, which is one of these cars that races around gravel roads and they're always skidding out and whatever. So they're in there, the two drivers, the driver and the co-pilot are in there, they're strapped down, they've got all this stuff, and the video shows this car slide off the road and just start doing cartwheels. But then they show the guys on the inside. The co-pilot is holding the map. And you can see the, the, the camera that is stuck on there. And he is just, he never lets go of the map. He literally just holds the map there. And you can see them just jerking around. And as they start to slow down, then they just start looking around at each other and start talking again. Like, I would be freaking out. Apparently they've done this before. They're like, you know what? We designed this cage to handle way faster impacts than that. It's going to whip my head around a little bit. Better hold still. Don't want to drop the map. It'd be a bummer to have to go look for it in a minute. He just had peace. 
His peace didn't come from the circumstance. It came from his understanding of how it was going to turn out. God says we were designed to live in that kind of peace. Here are some of the ways that God's voice, that he leads us. The first one we've been talking about as an inner witness, that little check in your heart. Yes, I feel right about this decision. We, we can all think of a time when we knew we shouldn't do something and we did it anyway and we regretted it. I don't need anybody to raise hands. I can just see on your faces like, yeah, we've all done that. We heard that check. We didn't listen. We did it anyway. And then we realized I should have listened. The inward man now has the nature of God in him. And if you are spirit-filled, the inward man has the Holy Spirit making his home in you. It isn't your inward man as a Christian that wants to do wrong. It's your outward man. Remember, we talked about there might be conflicting voices. Your body has not been renewed. Your body and my body have the same cravings for too much food and pleasure. Our bodies are our bodies. Our spirit has been renewed. And our mind depends. If our mind has been renewed, we don't have time today to cover all that. A second thing is God does lead in visions. And I could give a few examples. We have some in, in Acts where Cornelius uh, has a vision. Peter also has a vision uh, when he goes there. But it's interesting that the angel did not preach to Cornelius. The angel just told Cornelius, God is sending someone to speak to you. Wonder why? You ever wonder, well, why didn't they, if, if, if the angel showed up, why didn't they just the angel preach? Because that's our job. God has given us the responsibility to share the gospel. And he kind of has assisted a few different times with angels, but whenever possible, he wants you and I to do it. He even announced by an angel that a person is coming. I always thought that was kind of interesting. And then it's interesting also that the Bible does not say to seek out visions and angels. Visions and angels, those come as God wills. But the speaking to our heart God promises that to every single one of us. Every single one of it. I've, I've heard some people say, you know, that, that have had visitations with, from angels, and they say, you know, looking back in hindsight, the only times that I have had an angelic visitation was when what they were going to say was going to be so difficult to follow that I think God just knew I had to know, no, 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 no. And I'd really hope I don't ever have to go through those types of situations again. <laughs> the Bible tells us that as children of God, we have a right to hear from Him. I want to encourage you to practice listening to that voice. We have, if, if there is an angelic, if you have a vision, the Bible talks about that inward witness that we have. If you see a vision, God will speak again through that inward voice 
to authenticate that. People have seen demons before. Just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's from God. But if you see something, God will send that authentication. Um, there are prophecies. I want to speak to that a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 3 says, But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. I want to read that again. He that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. I think most of us, when we think prophecy, we think of like a doomsday prophecy. And we think, you know, well, when will, you know, when will Armageddon come? When is everything going to melt down? And, and, but the Bible actually describes prophecy not as the scary doomsday future telling, but as edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what God defines prophecy as being for. God is perfect. His people are not. So if you ever hear a word from God, if someone ever comes to you and says, God has told me to tell you, it may happen. Hear them out. But no matter who says it, Listen to see if that confirms something in your heart. Acts 21, verse 10 through 13 says, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Lord, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when he, we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, him being Paul, uh, not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an interesting example of a prophecy in the Bible that was accurate but misinterpreted. So, a prophet comes to Paul and says, give me your belt, ties his hands, and says, you're going to be bound, captured and bound, if you go to Jerusalem. Everybody except Paul thinks this is a warning. He's not supposed to go to Jerusalem. How many of you could understand how that would come through? It's like, okay, um, if, if I came to you and said, you're going to get arrested and you're going to be put in, in, in handcuffs if you go to Hudsonville. He'd be like, okay, not going to Hudsonville. But Paul had already heard something on the inside. And so what this did was prepare him for what was coming. But he knew. Everyone else was like, well, God, God obviously, obviously, you're not supposed to go. He's like, cut it out. I already know I'm supposed to go. And now I'm ready for what's coming when I get there. People can give a prophecy but not understand the whole picture. That man had seen a vision of Paul being captured. He had rightly given that prophetic vision but wrongly put a spin on it. Don't go, or else this will happen. Do you follow that? Listen. What does the Bible say? It says, you, the sons of God, will be led by the Spirit of God that is on the inside of you. We seek to see confirmation. If someone comes to me and gives me a prophecy, I listen, and I compare that in my heart and I say, does this, does this prophecy resonate with something that God has already spoken to me? And if it doesn't, I don't just immediately throw it out. I say, well, okay, maybe God's going to speak something to me down the road that this is going to confirm. So I kind of put that on the shelf, but I don't just run with it. I've told the story here before. When, when I was in college, 
God told multiple girls in the church that I was going to marry them. Some of them were wrong, at least. I didn't marry any of those. But the sad story was there was one girl who didn't know better. And she, like, in complete innocence, somebody prophesied. She was like, well, I never noticed him before, but okay, if I'm supposed to. Until someone talked to her and said, when they told you that, did that confirm anything? She's like, uh, no. They're like, well, then ignore it. And then she married that guy. True story. Godly man, godly couple, still working for God. But that illustrates even a prophecy. We need to confirm that with God's Spirit speaking to us in our heart. To sum it up, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do right. We can start with Scripture, then when it doesn't contradict Scripture, we look, when Scripture isn't clear about it, we look inwardly to our spirit man for God to speak there. Because Ephesians or Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're asking a question, should I forgive that person? Yes. Why? Because the Scripture tells you to forgive. I don't have to ask there. But God will lead you. He will lead you through His peace. The Bible also says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. What does that mean? He gives you desires. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to leave everybody I knew, go to a place that didn't speak a language I was very familiar with, go to places that were extremely uncomfortable and preach the gospel, and I was so excited about it. Where did that desire come from? God put that desire in me. Oftentimes, He can put a desire. He, he works in us to will and to do. Romans 8, 16, 17, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He also speaks to us through an inner witness, an inner voice. There are examples in the Scripture of audible voices but, and examples of visions. But it's interesting that God doesn't say, go looking for angels and visions. But he does say, seek to know my voice. I want to challenge you this week. Ask God questions. Ask him questions. Seek to get direction and answers. Don't look don't, don't ask him questions and then set out a fleece of, you know, mismatched socks or wet, wet fleece or, or whatever it is. But, but ask God. Whether it's a hard question or even ask him a little one. And then pray and ask God to help you to see that he has promised to speak to you through your spirit man. This is something we as Christians all have access to. We all, almost everyone raised their hand that they heard someone say, God said, God led. My hope is that all of us will grow in our walk with Christ so that we regularly experience God's leading in our life. When we get a question, when we have, we're faced with a decision, we say, God, 
Give me peace. Show me which of these right, left, up, down, that school, this school, that investment, this investment, that purchase, not to purchase, this job, that job. Lead me with your peace. I look forward to hearing how it turns out because I know that God is speaking. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you that we are your children, and I thank you that you have committed to leading us by your Spirit which is in us. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us. I pray that each of us would grow in our ability to recognize your voice. I thank you for it. And I thank you for the many wonderful things that you have in store, not just for us, but for those around us as we follow your leading. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, I want to ask you to raise your hand. If you're watching online or you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're right with God, the Bible says you can know. It says know that you have something. It doesn't say wait, die, find out if you made it. It's not what the Bible says. It says that if you can, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. You can know today. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but if that's you and you want to know today because you didn't know this morning, raise your hand and we will pray right now. If you're at home, I invite you to join us. We're going to pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear God, I believe you died on the cross having lived a perfect life that you died for my sin. I accept that forgiveness and I make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you desire to live in my heart. Thank you for entering my life. In Jesus' name, amen.